Hey gang, I'm Nikhil Croce, and you're listening to Season 3 of Who the Fuck? Practically Unplugged. This season takes on a different format than the previous two, so instead of asking guests to share their stories, this time around, I'm sharing mine. Each episode is a snapshot of my life, recorded over the past several months as I navigated the grief that came with loss, the resentment and shame that came from abuse, and the joy that I feel now knowing I finally prioritized myself. So get ready for a deeply personal and, of course, authentic and unapologetic season. If my story resonates with you, it's amazing to see your feedback, so pop over to your preferred podcast platform and share a review. Or better yet, if you know someone who will benefit from listening, tell them to check out the show wherever they get their podcasts. You can always head over to whothefck.com for more content and merch. So here we go. Hey gang, you're listening to the latest episode of the Who the Fuck podcast. And on today's episode, we are going to be doing something very special, very new, and very important. I'm going to be sharing with you a little glimpse into my personal life that veers starkly in a different direction than what you've been hearing lately. It is for the best and I want to share this because it's important to acknowledge that as much pain as we can experience, we are also capable of experiencing joy regardless of that pain, in spite of that pain, to help us heal through that pain. Last year, I was in a really low place and pretty much out of nowhere, someone entered my life and completely changed the trajectory of it. Previously, I probably would have looked at that and said, this person changed my life. And that would have been the meta statement in all of it. I met this person who brought me joy and made me feel safe and makes me laugh. But I also understand that I need to acknowledge that in many ways, my ability to appreciate that does stem from my own personal growth. So today, that's what I want to talk about. How the people in our lives are capable of bringing out the things within ourselves that we either have lost, we feel slipping away, or maybe we haven't even discovered yet. So I'm going to tell you a little story about how I got where I am, how full my heart is, and how important it is to acknowledge that you deserve happiness just as much as anyone else. I'll be the first to admit that I 
I think toxic positivity is a real thing because it sort of compels people to ignore the pain rather than acknowledge it. And at the same time, we have this opportunity to see the beauty and see the light in the world around us and allow the people in our lives to bring that forth and make it more prevalent. We just have to be open to it. So when I think about where I was 11 months ago, I was still on the East Coast. I was very much feeling absent myself. And fast forward about a month and a half later to the end of April, I ended up meeting a new friend. Now, I'll be completely honest, after the chaos that was 2020 and 2021, the last thing I was considering was finding someone to date. I didn't really want to be around anyone, least of all, feel vulnerable when that's all I had felt for so long. But as it turns out, and as annoying as it is sometimes, <laughs> the right person comes along when you least expect it. And I want to tell you exactly how that happened for me. It all started with an app, as it typically does these days. <laughs> and that app is called Her. It's what I would categorize as a queer community app. Whether you're gay, lesbian, bi, trans, polyamorous, and I'm sure a slew of other options. There wasn't this intense pressure to find somebody to date. I just wanted to know what the hell was going on out there. I'd been off the market for 12 years, and I just wanted to understand, because I'd heard a lot of stories from my friends about how horrible app dating is. So I put myself out there, I had recently changed my look, I was really interested in just understanding who are the people around me, who's out there, and whether it was friendship or nothing, I didn't really think too much about it. I was nearly positive that it would never be dating. It was too fresh, I felt too vulnerable, and I thought I would have a really hard time trusting people. But as it turns out, but as it turns out, I was surprisingly emotionally available. It was just a matter of feeling safe. And I had had a couple of conversations with people. I got the gist of things. And once I realized that I was capable of feeling with the depth of feeling I once knew, things just shifted. So to give you a little bit more context, living in Seattle, I decided 
let's see what's going on around here. I wasn't super interested in any of the options, no offense to the people who are out there, but nothing struck me. And so I was swiping left and right as people do. And to validate myself a little bit, to be honest with you, it felt really nice to know that people were interested in me. It also felt like an insurmountable task to actually meet somebody who was going to make an impact on my life in a really meaningful way. I felt guarded, but not in a way where I felt distant. I just felt hesitant. And so I decided to expand my reach and let the search radius do the work for me. So a few more miles here, a few more miles there, and all of a sudden I'm looking in Portland and Vancouver. Vancouver, Canada, that is. And I had noticed this one person who had a very nice smile and was holding a dog and looked sweet. And I read her profile and she was looking for her person. And I very clearly was not. <laughs> so I dismissed it. But a couple of days later, at first unwittingly to me, she came back around. She had updated her photo, and when I swiped again, I saw that I'd seen this person before. And I went back and I read their profile thinking, why did I move past them initially? And while this woman, Nicole, was looking for her perfect partner that she wanted to meet and marry, all I could do was think, oh, that's sweet tap tap on the head right but then I saw she had recently come out and that she was looking to expand her group of friends in the queer community and I thought hey me too I would love to have a friend where there's no stress no sense of this needs to be a relationship just somebody who I can talk to somebody who is interesting and has similar ideas of what it means to be a good person and how to show up in the world. So I reached out and she connected with me after I swiped right and she did too. And I remember setting the stage initially saying, I'm not trying to be presumptuous. I don't know if you swipe because you're interested in me, but I also saw you're looking for friends and I'm down for that. Let's chat. And I knew pretty instantly that this was a very different type of person. Someone who had the depth that I craved. Someone who was thoughtful and kind and interested in other people as both a way of connecting but also a way of growing. So we chatted a bit on the app and because I just couldn't stand the anxiety <laughs> of how long it would take for my app to repopulate. I said, let's exchange numbers if you want to, if you're comfortable with it. And she said, sure. So we started messaging on WhatsApp. About a week later, we reconnected again because I totally forgot I had the app. And then we shared some long messages about people she was dating. And the first voice message that I shared was, really a bit about my unraveling. 
how my life had sort of exploded on me. And I think that it was in that moment, to some extent, that I realized I could tell someone just right out of the gate what had happened in my life. And I wasn't embarrassed and I wasn't ashamed. I just didn't want it to be too much. And Nicole reassured me it's never too much. She could look at it objectively and she empathized. So we started exchanging audio messages more and more. We had a lot of random conversations getting to know each other. And I actually happened to be back home for several um, more weeks at that point. My childhood bedroom, well, actually my sister's childhood bedroom. And Nicole was working from her parents, doing her day-to-day for her Etsy shop. And I remember so many of our interactions happening on my way back and forth between my parents' house and my best friend Jen's, and then a little bit more about town randomly. And there were moments that I just never felt this type of connection with someone, but it wasn't romantic. It didn't feel like it had the pressure of a romantic relationship. It felt like I had met my new best friend. Like, I had met the person whose heart was meant for mine, but I didn't understand how true that was on such a deeper level. And so we would continue to exchange messages and we would talk in a wraparound way about how perfect we were for each other without ever saying it and, quite honestly, without ever acknowledging it. We gave ourselves time to get to know each other. We learned to appreciate having a confidant who understood each of us and ultimately created a safe space to talk about anything. And what's really amazing about this experience is how serendipitous it has felt the entire time. Nicole and I decided to FaceTime while I was still back east, and it was her dog Charlie's birthday, and so we hopped on. It was kind of late my time, a little bit earlier west coast, and we talked for a couple of hours, and I don't think there was a moment of hesitation for each either of us. It was effortless. It was as if we'd known each other our whole lives, and the more we got down into it, the funnier and more insightful the conversations became. But the part that really started to shake things up for us was when Nicole had told me about jumping off her table as a kid and landing on her knees while she was singing Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. And the next day when I was driving my mom's car to the shop to pick up my dad while he dropped his car off, Gangster's Paradise comes on the radio completely randomly. So I took a quick snap a video and sent it over to her 
It's like, can't believe this song came on, you know? And then later that night, she messaged me that the song had come on for her as well. Call it a coincidence, it was. It was also a moment, a transitional moment. It felt like the instant that everything started shifting in the direction of us becoming more than what we were. As we continued talking, I asked Nicole if she ever thought about things in sort of the more spiritual sense where you might catch a clock and it says 11-11 and immediately she jumped on board and said yeah it actually is something that I see frequently and it means really pay attention to your thought in those moments so again time's passing we're having more and more conversations and ultimately we're falling in love with each other without even recognizing that it's happening couple more weeks pass. She's dating. I'm rejecting the idea of dating. And then Mother's Day rolls around. And I wasn't okay. I was sad, obviously, having lost my mom in February. And I felt alone. Nicole responded like a friend and said, tell me something you remember about her. And I just remember hearing in her voice something really incredible. The sense of empathy that wasn't just for the sake of being empathetic, but it was touching. It felt moving. And that was May 9th. Fast forward again, a day or two, and things feel to me like they're becoming more and more clear, but I'm rationalizing with myself the entire time. Do not push it. Don't try to make it something it's not. You finally feel like you have a lesbian best friend. Let that be what it is. Don't screw it up. So I decided to at least acknowledge the fact that it felt like we were weirdly compatible. Pleasantly to my surprise, Paul acknowledged it as well. And also her mom, apparently. <laughs> and while I was telling dad about my new friend, he asked if she traveled. Just one of the first questions. No hesitation as to thinking that it should be anything else. And I said, yeah, actually. And I shared that she had done some really impressive travel in her life. More impressive than most people. Uh, like seeing the Great Migration in Africa with her best friend. And my dad said to me, see, this is the type of person you surround yourself with. This is the standard of people that exist in your life. And as we continued the conversations over the next couple of days. 
I tried to shield myself from any potential pain by ignoring what seemed extremely obvious. And I don't know that it was a completely conscious decision. We had put up the barrier, I had put up the barrier, and Cole was following suit. She'd been dating someone else, and she was going to hang out with them. But earlier that day or the day before, she had sent me a message. It was extremely difficult to hear. And it was about how whenever there are shifts in her life, major shifts, she tends to lean into Brene Brown and kind of find the path forward. And she was speaking to how she never really felt like she had a sense of belonging. And with me, she felt like she did. And I listened to this message so many times because I wanted to edit it so I could save it because it was such an impactful message. I'd never received a compliment like that. And while she was out on her date, I'm sitting here editing this and I'm going back and forth with you, with you, with you, with you, I feel a sense of belonging. And because I knew she was on a date, I just decided to record a video of myself and say, hey, like, I'm thinking about this and I want you to know it's really special to me. It means a lot. I don't think I've ever felt like somebody really values who I am and the way that I make them feel that much. And a couple of hours later, I hadn't sent the video because I didn't want to interrupt. A couple hours later, she calls me as she's leaving the date that she was on. Suffice to say, it did not end well, but the night did, at least for me, and ultimately for Nicole. And we talked for four hours. And again, I just felt like I was talking to my best friend because in a lot of ways I was. I could hear her disappointment. I could hear that she wanted to be with somebody who loved her the way that she loves what I always wanted too. But at the end of the day, one of the first things Nicole said to me kept ringing through my head. You'll never come second to the right person. So over the course of the next couple of days again, we're on this expedited lesbian timeline if you couldn't tell. <laughs> and keep in mind, we're 3,000 miles away at this point. Oh, and the Canadian border's closed. So, for the first time in history, we can't actually meet in person for the foreseeable future. There was no date, no vaccines, no clue what the fuck was going on. And still, we both felt something that was powerful beyond imagination and... We ended up FaceTiming a couple days later, at which point Nicole told me a story about how she felt she had a sign that meant that there was something going on for us. She plays what I like to call playlist magic eight ball. And basically asks a question and lets the song shuffle. 
sorry, that's the playlist shuffle to whatever song. We'll give her a sign. And she had told me about this a few days prior. I knew the questions that she asked, but she forewent one of those. And she asked, well, first of all, she said to me, don't read too much into this. At which point I'm like, oh my God, she thinks I'm like into her. And now I'm just going to, it's going to blow up in my face. How is this ever going to play out? I just want to, you know, be friends. Why do I always have to fuck it up? And she says to me, I didn't tell you about one of the songs. I asked a question. I asked what would become of Nikki's and my relationship. And the song Marry Me by Train came on. <laughs> and I bowed my head down, sort of laughing, sort of in shock, just overall just stunned, you know? And in that moment, Nicole was able to figure out that I had been holding something in also. While I had objectively been mentioning that it seemed like we were compatible, it was clear that that objectivity had shifted to complete subjectivity. We were compatible. We both knew it, and we both wanted to do something about it. But life was standing in our way because that's what it does sometimes. And being the empathetic, rash decision makers that we can be, it was probably for the best that <laughs> the borders were closed. We could have met almost immediately if I were back in Seattle and the borders weren't closed. But instead we had to wait 50 days, 50 days from the time that we acknowledged there were mutual feelings to the time we actually got to meet in person. And something that stayed with me the whole time this was happening was how my dad told me when he and my mom were dating long distance that they fell in love with each other's souls because all they could do was talk. And for the first time in my life, I realized what that meant. So it made the moment when Nicole and I got to meet in person that much more significant. During those 50 days, many, many conversations, I think it totaled over 4,000 audio messages. I mean, excessive amounts of communication, but it was wanting to know more, wanting to have the connection, but in a way that still allowed each of us to feel independent, but supported, to feel cared for, even from a distance. And I had friends who were concerned for me, they were hesitant, they knew what I had been through, but they saw how I spoke about this person. They saw how I felt when I spoke about this person. And they knew that she knew everything I had been through. So I wasn't hiding anything. And this person, Nicole, was 100% in, which is all I ever really wanted. And... So we acknowledged that there were feelings on May 13th slash 14th because it was Thursday on the West Coast and Friday on the East Coast. And we didn't meet until July 2nd. Now we could have met a week earlier, but it was the most ridiculous heat wave that had ever happened in the Pacific Northwest and nobody needs to be that sweaty. 
ever, let alone when they're meeting somebody that they want to find them attractive. That said, we <laughs> mentally prepped to meet through a loophole at a place called Peace Arch Park, where the Canadian side of the border was closed and the U.S. side of the border was open and Canadians were parking on the other side, walking over a drainage ditch and hanging out in the States. Border guards weren't doing anything about it, and this was our way in. Thank goodness it was summertime. So, when we met, we did it sort of as a first look at a wedding. And I remember hearing Nicole's voice behind me. I thought she was going to touch my shoulder, but instead she said something. She said, I'm right behind you. And my response was, holy shit. Don't worry, we captured this all in video if you want to see it. But I turned around and I saw her. And it was the most insane, out-of-body, excited experience. To know somebody so well, to know the depths of their soul, but not know them in person. And then finally see them, be able to touch them, be able to share a moment in person with them. It's just surreal. It takes your emotions to a completely different level, and it takes your perspective, just mixes that up beyond what you could ever imagine. And on pure impulse, after looking at her and just seeing how beautiful she was, I went in for the kiss. I didn't even think about it. It was just like, I remember looking at her and being like, oh, it's happening. I've been drawn in. Magnetized. And the kiss was phenomenal, even though my brain was still trying to figure out who this person was physically standing in front of me and whose mouth was on my mouth. But as the hours passed and we got to spend more time together in person, just that sense of unknowing completely washed away. We were familiar again. And... It was so obvious. This was my person. This is my person. And I'm sharing all of this with you because life can be really unfair. We all have barriers to our happiness sometimes. But it is a choice to keep the barrier up And I'm so, so glad that the timing of my life worked out the way that it did because what felt like the exact wrong time to meet someone ended up being the exact right time. I found the person who was with me every step of the way through my divorce, but more importantly through losing my mom. And I thought I was going to go through it alone. I thought I was going to exist in a sadness that was so isolating and scary because everything just feels so fragile. And instead, I was uplifted. I had more joy in my life. I have more joy in my life now than I ever have because I can live in the present and I can exist with a sense of peace and I can know that I am safe with Nicole and I know that I am happy 
and I feel it in every single micro cell in my body because I am pulled towards her in a way that is so energetic and so specific. So as much as I could sit here and complain about all the things that went wrong for so long, I really have to look at it this way. Today, I get to celebrate the birthday of the person I love most in this world, the person who has rejuvenated me, who has shown me what it feels like to be cared for, to have a true partner, to be in love in the way that most people don't even understand or believe exists. To have a person who shows up as who they are and lets you do the same every single day. This is what we all deserve. And I am so grateful. So, so grateful. This type of happiness exists in my life. Because Because love, love is the thing that we all need the most. Well, gang, that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck? Practically Unplugged. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, share with your friends, coworkers, relatives, or anyone you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. And don't forget to give me a follow on Instagram at whothefck underscore Nikki to keep up to date with what's new in my world. Catch you on the flip side.